Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. drag out responsibilities like the Maccabees did oil. In life, I have found it's brains versus Bronwyn Wyndham Burke. (laughs) Wait, mine was so dumb. While saying it, I was like, this is a personal worst. So I just want to... People, listen, people set and like keep track of personal bests. We need as a community, as a people to start tracking personal worst because I think a top five, <laughs> bottom five is a really important yeah. vehicle for our journey. Right. That's all that's, I have to people's say. always like, that's a new PB. I always want to be like, that's a new PW, bitch. Uh- <laughs> I'm into it. Listen, and I'm into uh, this guest, you guys. It's Andy's Girls. It's episode 270. And one of my favorite people literally in the world who hasn't been on AG in a minute, I want to yeah, say. It's been a while. Which is, it's been a while, which is real weird and something that's changing right now. You know him as the founder and president of the Real Housewives Institute author of the New York Times bestselling book, The Housewives, The Real Story Behind the Real Housewives, a Hanukkah, Christmas, Galentine's, everyday perfect gift, a book I read in hours, literal (laughs) hours, walking through New York City, gobbling it up, gobbling it up. And not only because she's in it, and not only because she's in it. (laughs) You know what? I forgot I was in it. I just want to say, guys, if you're looking for a reason to get it, 
the fact that I'm in it and I have like one of the most important quotes of the book and also humanity. I, I just want to say, I'm just dropping that in. I you reuse it all the time and I always give you credit because Thank you. it's really a mantra I've taken on for myself, which is uh, I don't believe yes. in God, but I believe in the Real Housewives. And you know what? I have faith in this guest, guys. You know him. You love him. You read him all the time. Welcome back to Andy's Girls, Dame Brian Moylan. Yay, thank you, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. There, I feel like, so in my book, I talk about mm. how like 2009, 2010 was the golden era of Housewives. It's like Scary Island, First mm. season of Jersey or, uh, mm. you know, table flip first season mm. of Beverly Hills, like all that's going on. And it was very much in the zeitgeist. And I feel like now we're entering a second gold of a renaissance of housewives with Erica, Jen Shaw, mm. Potomac, just I feel like it's back in and back in the mainstream discourse in a way we haven't been in quite some time. And so I'm happy to be here for this. The interesting thing about this renaissance, which is, as with everything, the perfect words in which to describe this moment. Um, but the interesting thing is not only are the women in the news, there's always a housewife situation in the news. Obviously, what we're going through now is like wildly historic in every way. But yes. the qualities, the quality of the show's is so good right now, so extraordinary. Potomac Part 4 alone, Salt Lake City, Beverly Hills. Girls that Trip, it doesn't, which I never... Girls Trip! I had oh such low expectations going in. Same! And it delivered in a way in which I never expected it to. And I will say, I have watched The Real Housewives of the North Pole starring Kyle Richards. <laughs> And it is better than it should be. No, it's not. It Are is. you kidding me? It's not good. It's not good. But in in that it's, it's great. like it's like every Hallmark Christmas movie. But so it's not good, but it is also better than it should be. So I have never seen a Hallmark Christmas movie. This will be the first one I've ever seen. Well, get ready. It's like a very <laughs> special spot. Um, but my parents are huge housewife or Hallmark Christmas movies aficionados. N never watched a minute of The Real Housewives, but they were here visiting for Thanksgiving. I was like, guys, I got a screen of Real Housewives of the North Pole, so we need to stop everything and watch this movie right now. And they loved it. They were like, this is pretty good for a Hallmark movie. And I was like, yeah, well, there you go. Do you think Kyle is ever going to get to a point a la Bethany where she because she's Kyle is having her own individual renaissance she's working yes. on so much she's there's a lot she's got a lot of stuff going on do you think that she will get to a point where she feels like I don't need housewives and I'm I'm gliding in such a way where my history on housewives um exceeds the importance of me staying on housewives I a la feel B. Frankel I feel like maybe if she got a show, like if she is like cast on a sitcom or something like that, and mm -hmm. she's filming 20 episodes a year, she might mm -hmm. not have time to do Housewives. But I mean, Eileen Davidson was on a soap opera and did it. I don't know that she can or will ever give it up. And I also think that whenever Bethany's not on Housewives, her personal brand suffers for it. 
Like, mm -hmm. and I think that we have seen, I mean, Lisa Vanderpump left, had three shows, all crashed and burned. Bethany mm -hmm. left, nobody watched, or I don't know who watched that HBO Max show, but it was a disaster. So Horrible. I, I feel like there are very few instances of housewives graduating onto something else. Who are the housewives that you think are most primed for that kind of post housewives generational success? Um, I feel like Kyle might, uh, Kyle's a good mm -hmm. one. I would have said Nini, but I mean, we haven't heard hide nor hair of Nini. <sighs> And now she's, oh, I would love to come back. I'll settle my score with Andy, blah, blah, blah. So you can tell she wants to get back on the show. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't think of anybody really who... I would have said Stashi Schroeder before she... Mm, Stashi Schroeder. Nice. Like, she looked mm -hmm. like she could have had some kind of her own, you know, hashtag girlboss brand. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm curious to see... You know, we used to say, like, oh, Bethany was the exception that proves the rule, but I don't really mm -hmm. know about that. So, we'll see. I mean, Bethany shows the importance of capitalizing on Housewives without entirely separating on it, because I think she ran into a little bit of a pickle during the press run for the HBO show because she was shitting so hard on yeah. Housewives as a way to separate from it. But then you watch the HBO show, which was a shit show, and yeah. it kind of proved the value of being on a show that's well-produced and how difficult that can be. And yet by shitting on it, she separates herself from the possibility of coming back. And it's like, babe, I don't know how good of an idea that is. And I think that people often underestimate the value of the ensemble. Um, mm. Like, I don't know if you watch Portia's new show, but I did watch the first episode, which I can't believe I did because I was nervous, but I did watch it. She does not shine in it the way she shines on Housewives. Mm. And and I think some of that is just you need those other women challenging you and to play off of. And, you know, I think it's like the difference between a stand-up comedian and an improv comedian. It's like if you have a mm -hmm. whole troop of people you can play off of, you're good in that, but you might not be good on your own. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's tough. Although when you just said stand-up comedian, I was like, oh, so the difference between Joe Gorga and Sonia? I mean, like people trying different industries and it's like, I don't know how much of this is a joke. It feels tongue-in-cheek to me, but I don't know that they're in on it as much as I feel like everyone else is. Remember when Slade did stand-up? Yeah, Miss Piggy. Do you remember who, who when could forget? Who Kristen could forget? did stand-up? Kristen Doty, didn't she do stand-up? Or did Ariana do stand-up? I mean, Ariana told us all how often she did stand-up. Yeah, somebody on Pump, yeah, maybe it was. Oh, my God, I honestly, just in this moment, I forgot Kristen existed until this moment. I That's mean, how tough it is when you point, leave. Proving our point that once you're off the platform, you know, and, and I think that I often liken the Housewives to SNL, and that, like, you know, it's always changing, but it's always kind of the same. And there are definitely, like, Kristen Wiggs who go on to, mm -hmm. you know, great success afterwards. And then there are Sherry O'Terry's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. You know? People who are great and so valuable on 
SNL as a part of an ensemble who try to break out. Like Will Ferrell, I think, is the exception to the rule. It's right. just so hard to navigate. Yes. And with a lot of these women, it's one of the oddities. It's like the tension of being in this kind of ensemble show. Reality TV isn't the only one. You see it on dramas. You see it in other places. Totally. Where where you become you become so popular that you're like, the next step of this is to leave and start my own vehicle, start my own show, which is such a, a marker of success. And yet, because your success was as a part of the ensemble, the reality is breaking out and having that spinoff work is incredibly rare all things considered it's just a tough a tough next step like Portia makes complete sense to have a spinoff and yet this spinoff is not where she needs to be no and there's a lot wrong with the spinoff including the fact that I mean it's a rare miscalculation for Portia in that yeah. She, she usually gets what the fans say and she's like, oh, people are mad because he, the judge hadn't stamped the papers on the divorce. So we're, you know, he was still technically a married man. It's like, no, girl, we know the facts. We know it's just that you should not be engaged to this man because it, it was like weeks, months before you're engaged to him. Like, it's a bad idea, no matter how you slice it or what you know about it. And for her to try to make us feel like it were the ones who are wrong about it is crazy. It's a little bit of a nightmare coming true in the idea that like Dennis, who never treated Portia as well as she deserved to be treated in a romantic partnership, putting aside their, you know, success co-parenting is the one who's coming out of this with the most sympathetic edit because it matches up with, the yes. reality of like, why is this happening? Like, it doesn't make sense. And it I think, doesn't make sense. And I think Lauren too, when they're having that conversation, Lauren's yeah. like, yeah, I know. I get it. I, I tried to tell her. I tried to tell her. Um, yeah, it's not great. Well, and we've seen from Cordell to Dennis to this guy, like mm. she's not, she doesn't make good decisions with men. He has like five kids and four wives. What makes you think that? It's going to be different with you after a month together. Yeah, I also watched several re Atlanta reunions this week for some reason. I was like, I just feel like watching literally four Atlanta reunions, four seasons <laughs> of Atlanta. And it was iconic, but it was also, listen, Nini taps in and taps out. So the women have gotten used to it and it makes for... Uh, a muddled trip on some of these reunions and then she's exceptional in others depending on her interest in participating but with Portia she really changed and grew stronger at this as the seasons went on but she was not aside from her quasi outburst about her marriage and her focus on that which everyone acknowledged got her a second season she wasn't necessarily heading that route and then her first reunion changed it but her first couple reunions were not prestige no. top tier. Like the Porsche that we know and love, this icon, this activist, this, um, I mean, exceptional housewife, really smart, really funny, and like funny. one of the funniest. Yes. And fun too. It, it's not, she has not always been 
been that way. She's she shows her talent in the ways that she has changed and grown. It shows how good she is at this. And I'm just nervous for her that this spinoff is not the right vehicle because I don't know it shows her at her best. And it feels like a storyline that should be part of a Real Housewives of Atlanta episode rather than something that can stand on its own. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, it's a it's a, a really good point. And it's also, you know, when we talk about the renaissance of Bravo, what I think is helpful in that renaissance is that not every show is entirely succeeding. Like the big ones are, but I think having some, you know, like oh, the hills well, and valleys of it all, it's helpful. Well, what I found, so what I found interesting, and it's uh, something I can't entirely answer is, I feel like, and I I think COVID definitely has something to do with it and the limitations of filming during that, but we're seeing particularly the older franchises really suffering like New York, Atlanta, OC. Mm. And OC has mm-hmm. been problem like not problematic, but not good since pre-COVID. But so I mm. feel like in the last season of Atlanta, it was like a bunch of coworkers who didn't want to be together who are like phoning it in and mm-hmm. you know, it was barely watchable. So I don't know how you then, and I mean, the last season of New York was unwatchable, how you change these shows and restructure them and rejuvenate them so that they can keep going for another 15 years because like Potomac still kicking it with essentially the same cast. Salt Lake city is amazing. Even without the Jen Shaw of it all. Um, Beverly Hills, I mean, had Erica, but not just the Erica stuff. There was lots mm-hmm. of other great drama there too. So yeah, I'm not sure what they need. And, you know, I don't believe in God, but I have faith in the real housewives. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do want to ask, was your faith restored at all in Orange County with this week's premiere? What was your expectation going in? And how did the actual episode itself match up? My expectations were very low. I feel like it was kind of a weird episode. I likened it to It Chapter 2, the movie where it's like, here are all these people who are once loosely connected and they all need to get back together for a purpose, you know? And so it's like, oh, I'll call Shannon and bring your friends, Gina, and bring, oh, and you'll bring this person and that, you know? And so it seems like very ragtag. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just curious. There seems like there's a lot of drama already with this whoever sued Terry Dubrow. Um, it was a lot of new people other. to yeah. introduce all at once. So I still feel mm-hmm. like I'm learning everybody. Um, but we also know Noella is like, owes $6 million in back taxes and is getting a divorce. So oh I feel like there could be a lot of juice there. I love Dr. Jen and her husband who seems allergic to wearing shirts, which... <laughs> I fully support. So, yeah, I enjoyed it much more than I have enjoyed um, OC in the past few seasons. And I will say, second to Giselle and Robin, I love watching Emily and Gina together as, like, besties. Yes. And so I'm glad they're getting along, and I'm, like, happy for all of that. And I like Heather Dubrow. I like that it's seems aspirational again so Mm -hmm. i i think like maybe i'm hoping i'm i'm holding out hope how did you feel 
I loved it. I felt like if the goal or the reality of this season is that it's a little bit of a recovery season, I actually quoted you to someone talking about kind of my expectations for this season. And, you know, you often say that Beverly Hills is uh, what, rich women doing things. Is that right? <laughs> yes. um, and with Orange County, if it's like rich woman doing things surrounded by other people who are in the building, <laughs> I have no problem with that. I actually, it, Orange County and the narrative around Orange County and the media and everything else has been so dark and uncomfortable and unwatchable, even regardless of the quality, which has been really bad, just yes. in the sense that it, it makes you feel weird. And if this season is like light drama, the women are doing stuff, but I feel fine watching it, which I think is what's going to happen. I have, I am more than satiated. I'm really happy. I've missed Orange County. And I my expectation is not that this is going to, you know, blow the fish out of the water, which it should, it does not need to. It no. just needs to survive and feel like a part of the universe again, which it hasn't for a while. It has, And I just feel like it felt kind of I hate to say it but like low class it's like you had Elizabeth Vargas and yes. you know and Gina sad condo which I love Gina but that's not what we're used to <laughs> yeah. you know and so it was all and then they like couldn't go on any fancy trips they couldn't go to any restaurants they're like in each other's backyards and it's like Whoa. um but I think the real problem child is New York and I don't know how they're gonna which has traditionally been my favorite. And I don't know how they're going to turn that around. And it look, I mean, all signs point to, they don't know either. So, Do you think they really don't know? Like, what do you think the timeline is for New York right now? I think it's- or, they, or the goal even. I think they don't know. I think they're trying to find women and- good women and are going to decide once they have some good new women who gets to stick around. I, I, that's what I assume. And the thing is like, while this is taking place, the cast is actually in a worse position than it would have been even when the, sh when the reunion could have been filmed. Like I don't, from what I'm hearing, and I don't know if this is true, but like, I don't think Ebony and Leah are friends anymore like there's some stuff that's happening that makes me very nervous about the cast because it is so splintered that yes. I, you can't I don't see a way to put even some of these pieces back together like I just don't know how it's going to work I feel like with you know the show I always say the shows work best when you have women with organic you know dynamic relationships mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. even if that is like we've seen on potomac like ashley giselle robin karen they've been together for six seasons now even if it's as co-workers they have a relationship same with ramona yes. luann sonia it's like they have that history um so yeah i'm curious but also i feel like they're a lot of the problem and um yeah, so it's like, do you get a bunch of new women? Do you completely restructure the whole thing and fire everybody? Do you, you know, keep the core and get rid of Leah and Ebony? I mean, I don't know what the answer is, 
Um, yeah. But it's like, how do you deal with, how do you find value in a rotted core? Because the idea of Ramona is that she is a rotten person who has produced great TV. But if her sense and sensibility and being has gotten to the point of being so rotten, aside from how she's doing on Girls Trip, which is fascinating because of the other women truly burying her, like dragging her every episode. It's, yes. It is excellent prestige TV in that sense. But if if the thing that always made you valuable in seasons past, Ramona being a piece of shit, the, if the stench has gotten so strong, what do you do with that? Like, is she yes. compost now? Because that would be her goal right is like you need me recycle me i can set the fresh ground because i i've always been a bad person that's what you love about me like at what point does it cross the the boundaries not from any moral perspective but just from the sense of like this is no longer good tv no and i think that part of the problem is ramona hasn't changed but we've changed and so like the awful shit she's done um Right now in this climate, like the ebony stuff and all of that, it's like I people aren't as willing to tolerate that on television as they were mm-hmm. before. And I think that, you know, Ramona keeps relying on the same playbook that's always worked for her. And, and that playbook is a relic like and and she can't change. So I think you just need to get rid of her. And, and get in some new blood. And I mean, Sonia Morgan is my favorite. I love Luann, but I just feel like they're part of a show that's past. Um, so, yeah. How does that make sense, though, that New York may have passed when until the last season, maybe season and a half, maybe two seasons, it was considered by many people to be the best? How do you how does that go? So how how does that go so bad so quickly? Why is that bad? The most sustainable thing about it? I think that, um, like I said, we've changed a little bit and I think we want a little bit more and something a little bit different. And I think that the women have gotten really complacent and their dynamic is so entrenched now, especially amongst the three of them. So if you keep them, what the problem with that, and I think the problem with OC too is you, and a bit with Real Houses of Beverly Hills where you have that core group and each season you bring in a few new people to try to shake up that core group, but you can't. And so it's like, you really just bring on new people for Ramona to be mean to who are gone in a season or two. And like, I don't want to keep watching it spin its wheels. Like I want it to move forward in a way. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? It does. I mean, it reminds me a little bit and no disrespect, but it like reminds me a little bit of what happened after season four, where it was like, okay, some of these OGs just need to, to go now. But I think the thing is that the perception of Ramona is that she still brings value right? regardless of what the content that's produced. And I don't know how you really get around that. Like, I don't know what the reality of this is. Yeah, no, I agree. But I think at some point there needs to be a Phaedra moment where regardless of what you bring to the show, what you did is so bad that we can't have you around anymore. And I kind of feel like 
if what is reported that Ramona said about Ebony and the way she treated Ebony on the last season, I feel like that qualifies for being like, yeah, we can't have you on here anymore. And what was reported, which was confirmed by Heather Thompson, and I I posted this on social media, and a lot of people were like, well, Heather, blah, blah, blah. And the reality is, listen, Heather Thompson, for anyone to go on the record and confirm this, regardless of how you feel about that person, is a very big deal. Like, is this surprising? You can have that conversation. But the reality is for someone to go on the record and say this is shocking. It's regardless of whether or not it's surprising, it's actually shocking. And what Heather told Page Six this past week was that Ramona did, in fact, say after I think it was after Ebony was kicked out of Lou's place in the Hamptons, but it could have been at another time no it was then she said supposedly it was right that Ramona said out loud this is why we can't have black people on the show which is wildly racist yeah well and also I think that the future in all of these shows and the future in American life is more diversity more inclusion and if you're going to have a mm. person treating the only black cast member ever on your show like that and all the other shit she did to ebony then you she can't be on that show she will prevent that diversity and inclusion from happening and Mm. yeah so yeah do you think that the network regrets not doing a reunion hmm no (laughs) yeah like they'd rather take it we'll take a little bit of your anger but we're not going to change our mind um yeah, I don't think they do just because the ratings for the season were so bad and like lo- lower, like you could see people being like tuning, literally tuning out as opposed to like between last season of Vanderpump Rules and this season of Vanderpump Rules, it lost like half its audience. Mm. And so they said, I'm not like, I'm done with this show, as opposed to the thing that I am currently watching is so bad, I'm not going to watch it anymore. I think that's, like, two different kind of things. And, yeah. Um, so I, I don't think that they do. I think the women do because they make money. You know, they get bonuses Her and episode. more money and whatever. Oh, right, right, right. Payments doing the reunion. Up. So I think that the women regret it. And also I think that it would have been good – to ask some of these people the hard questions, but yeah, whether or not Ramona is willing to answer these questions, I, or care about her answers to these questions, I don't think so. And I don't think that the network was thinking about it in exactly this way, but it shows the power of Girls Trip because people were understandably very upset that Ramona wasn't held accountable and that Ebony's voice was silenced, that she wasn't given the opportunity to respond not only to what she experienced during filming, but also to the edit. And yet on Girls Trip, Ramona is loudly and consistently mocked and dragged for being a vile person To the extent that, and skip the next minute of this if you guys haven't watched the sixth episode, it's not really a spoiler, but it does provide a little bit of context. Kenya looks for the the softest spot of Ramona, which is Ramona looking for love and being a little desperado about it, and exploits it. She goes out of her way at a dinner with the guy from the conch or whatever, and 
introduces him, flirts, introduces him to Lou in front of Ramona and the cast and is like, Ramona thinks you, you're hers and we all know that's a joke, but she also deserves to feel a little bit bad right now. And the only way to do it is to tap into her desperation about finding love. And it's long drawn out. Kyle's like, I'm uncomfortable. Melissa's like, I'm uncomfortable. And it is exhilarating it's that, exhilarating to watch that it feels like we're Kenya getting Moore the justice is so yes. good at her fucking job yes and you know what and this is the thing that i love about girls trip is is what i didn't account for was how we would change our perception of these women taken yes. out of their element and so it's like lou says in one of the early episodes like Oh, I'm just so used to Ramona being such an asshole, I don't even notice it anymore. And so these mm. women who don't know her are like, you're an asshole. You know, it's like, that's what we need. And also, I love that on New Jersey, Teresa is the kingpin. Like, you, everyone has to bow down mm. to Teresa. It's her show. And Melissa knows that, so Melissa has to bow down to her. And here, like, Melissa's getting a chance to shine. And everyone hates Kenya on Atlanta. But then here people are like, oh, she's actually kind of cool. I like Kenya. And so we mm -hmm. get to see them outside of the context that we're used to. And we're getting to see new sides of these women and seeing them in different ways because of that new context. And I think that that is very important for us in a full understanding of them as characters. I totally agree. And I also think from a perception level, there's a difference between a perception of a cast member from her fellow cast and yes. adjusting the perception of that housewife through the lens of the audience. And yes. Kenya, people have felt very strongly about and they feel like she's being seen as like an archetype, archetype and someone who's there and is very good at a housewife. But do people actually like her? I think is a different conversation for some people. I personally die for Kenya and have for a while. Same. But you put her on girls trip and it's like, wow, Kenya's actually sticking up for kind of us yeah. by talking about how shitty Ramona is. Maybe I need to reevaluate. Luann is so openly vulnerable and low-key and um, understandable and understanding. It really kind of resets the idea of the person she became when she, you know, became the cabaret star. Teresa, the pressure is off of her to yeah. sometimes almost like perform drama or, yes. um, you know, the weight of being the star and the central figure on Jersey. She sometimes hasn't entirely delivered on that idea, yeah. but on this show, she can be more relaxed. She doesn't yes. feel like she, the, the pressure of that is off. Melissa, it's like, we all kind of feel like what's going on with Melissa. She's like, what's, what's happening? But she proves her, um, the enjoyment of her yeah. on this spinoff. I always thought Melissa was underrated and I'm mm. a big Melissa fan and I'm glad that, yeah, she gets to be here and see, like, I do bring stuff to this. Like I am good, you know, outside of Teresa's shadow with all these other women, like I can bring it. And mm. Kyle's just Kyle and, you know, brings that producer brain to these other women that she does in Beverly Hills all the time. And yeah, I'm loving it. And Cynthia's gone, so who cares about her? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, poor Cynthia. It's like she's she's in the middle of a struggle, both on this island, and then we also know IRL because she's not returning 
to Atlanta and that's got to be a tough spot to be in. She's thinking to herself like why am I having why am I not having a good time and it's like well because you're dealing with all this other shit about the fact that you're not being allowed to have a good time on the next season because they I have said it a million times and I will say it again and I still think it's valid put Cynthia on Beverly Hills yes she would do so much better on Beverly Hills like and I think that she's like low-key like all those Beverly Hills ladies but Mm -hmm. she's used to Atlanta so she's used to it just enough that I think she'd fire them up and I am ready for more than one black woman uh on a season like I want to see her and Garcelle together and how that changes the group dynamic etc put Cynthia on Beverly Hills you're welcome for that free advice <laughs> that <laughs> I've been saying they for ever years. Would? I know for real. Do you think that they ever would really though? Because I feel like it has been a conversation since because of Mike Hill, like he was based in LA. So the connection there would have been pretty organic. Now I don't, I don't, I think she is back in LA due to COVID like before yeah. they were, um, you know, at the lake house at Lake Bailey. And now she's maybe back in California. I actually don't even, I don't actually totally know. I feel like they must be smart enough to have considered it. Um, Mm -hmm. and decided not to for whatever reason. But I mean, I think this is, you know, it's like her and Kyle are on this girl's trip. They're like friends now she's in LA, you know, yeah. Or maybe they're just afraid of doing it because it sets a precedent of like, oh, women can swap cities or what have you. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I just think that because there is that organic connection with her and Mike and whatever, it would be a good idea. But what do I know? I just sit around and talk I about mean... this shit. <laughs> I don't actually have to I make mean... them. My God, that must be hard work. <laughs> I do have to ask you, thinking a little bit about Beverly Hills, what was your experience like specific to watching and talking about BH? How was how was your specific experience noting your relationship to some of these housewives? Yeah. Obviously, we all know Erica you. specifically. I mean, ah, how did you know? I could have been talking about Kyle. How do you know? Um, it was you know, really it was really weird because like Going into the season, I like, even before the season, people in the mm-hmm. comments of my recaps would be like, you worked for Erica. You're not critical enough of Erica, blah, 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 blah. And, um, and like, I've made no, I've not tried to hide it. I've not, you know, I've always been really upfront about it. Yeah, I worked with her. You know, we have a friend. You were on the show when you guys wrote her book yeah we have a friendly relationship i have Mm -hmm. i have no bad experience working with her i seem to think she's a better person than most of the internet does um (laughs) well i mean and also maybe the court and also maybe reality (laughs) and also maybe her access to diamonds and rosé i mean i feel like erica didn't know what tom was doing and so and so, like, what really annoyed me is Sutton said she made a deal with the devil and now she has to pay. It's not like she married Pablo Escobar or Tony Soprano. It's not like she married somebody who she knew was doing evil. It's like she she married a older, wealthy man, which is a tale as old as time. Like, he said he's a makes a lot of money being a lawyer. And, you know, why wouldn't she believe that to be true? Um, 
I do question the timeline of how everything went down a bit. I also question how she handled everything on the show, particularly in social media. And I feel like it was maybe a bit of a miscalculation to be as adversarial with some of her cast members as she was in that she's using this show to tell her story and the more women you have on your side to tell that story, the easier it is for you. For instance, um, you know, Teresa confessed to committing actual crimes. Erica is not charged with any crimes. And, but on Teresa's show, everyone's like, I feel so bad for you. You have to go away. Oh, your family, blah, blah, blah. Because everybody had to bow down to Teresa, whereas Erica was like, uh, what are you going to do? Nothing. Meh. You know, and I think that that made the women more adversarial and kind of kept the pressure up in a way that it might not have necessarily. Um, but I will say, and you're making so many faces at me, like I have uh -huh. so many things to say. When would you like me to pause for you to say things or would you like me to keep going? I mean, I think this is a really interesting perspective that I super appreciate and absolutely disagree with entirely, which I think is <laughs> incredibly important. To. Yeah. Which I'm welcome to, as you're welcome to to feel how you do, noting that you have an inside look to this through your relationship with Erica, which is um, a helpful and important perspective. I think it's good to have counters and I think it's good to have a balance. And there's nothing as disinteresting to me as people painting someone a villain inside it out and that's all they are because right. you, when you lose that sense of humanity, regardless of whether or not that person has interest in maintaining it, the conversation is just naturally, instinctively less interesting. You know, it would be two seconds. Erica sucks, and then it's the, the end of the pod, which some of you might like, by the way. <laughs> that's um, not, that's not I me. found that, you know, the thing with social media and comments on the internet and whatever is it often flattens all nuance. And there are people, mm -hmm. I've seen people being like, Erica's a sociopath. It's like, no. <laughs> Erica lacks all empathy. Like, and, and it's like, I don't necessarily agree with those things. I have not experienced that to be the truth. I, you know, um, yeah. And so I think that people, but, the, you know, she had her detractors before this. And I think now they just have a lot more ammunition. The same thing with people were mad about me writing the recaps before, and now they're still mad about it. And they're like, oh, well, he wrote the book. He can't say this. And it's like, girl who cares it's a fucking reality television recap it's my opinion and this is my opinion and if you don't like it like tough shit and 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 i just think that but through my experience with that as limited as it is i don't want to entirely compare it to erica's experience but i think you know when she says like i'm in an unwinnable position like no matter what i say or do there are going to be people mad at me and people who like me i kind of understand that because i have the same thing it's like if i was fucking tore Erica to shreds, people would say I still went easy on her. If And if I was like totally nice to her, then it's you wrote her book and you're trying to write the other book and Erica told you what to write and blah, 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 all these things that aren't true. So I just kind of said what I wanted to say and what I really felt. And, um, you know, people liked it or they didn't. And, you know, whatever. I mean <laughs> 
I totally get that. And I, I hear you in so many ways. I also wonder the idea of Erica, of this thing just happened to her and how she reacts to it is both not her responsibility because of the stress that she's under, but also the way that we see her on TV is not the real her because in other areas she can be so nice. I just kind of wonder about the environmental changes you know, anyone can be really nice when you have access to that kind of money and support. So no, like I, Erica yeah. being a good person before because she didn't, you know, it's I always reference this thing and it's a terrible comparison, but fuck it. You know, welcome <laughs> to EG is the idea that like what Michelle Obama says about the presidency, it doesn't change a person, it reveals them. And that's not entirely accurate when you talk about the kind of situation Erica is in now which is like the fight of her life because so much of it has to do with the characterization of who she is as a person it's not yeah. just pressure of a situation it's also like your core is rupturing a little bit but all that being said and all of that being considered the autonomy of a person matters like what regardless of whether or not she knew which is a straightforward conversation no one including both of us will, will ever really know regardless yes. of what she says now versus later the idea of did you benefit is a conversation and a question that she seems to have no capacity to understand i agree with and that. i I get it from she feels like maybe a little bit of a hunted animal in the sense of like, I can't even start to break down and understand that I might have been a participant in this. Yes. Even if I didn't know that there was a game on, that there was a game being played, I may have participated through the diamonds and rosé. I, I may have exacerbated a crime by releasing a song that says, it's expensive to be me, how many fucks do I give? She may, she might not have known that something was happening, but the narrative that she presented, which furthered her celebrity and success, someone of enormous wealth, now understanding who was paying those bills, whose money was being stolen, in which to present this lifestyle, you do have to take responsibility for that. And yet she seems so not even incapable of understanding her participation in this, however un unwitting. It's like your intent will never know, but the impact is fairly obvious. And she does not seem to be a personality type that is interested in actually understanding that there are victims here. She she gives these like very small little, of course there are victims, or of course I've said this and it's like, you're not showing us, you are a performer and you are not, and I get the legal implications, I get it. I get that there's a strategy here, but I don't think she actually believes it. I, I don't think she does. I, and that's a problem. I think that, I mean, I completely agree with what you're saying and, um, and, you know, she could have done more to acknowledge that there were victims, but I also think that there are plenty of people with no matter what she said or did that were going to be, it's like, if you said, I'm sorry that there are victims, then it's, why didn't you give money to the victims? And then if she gave money to the victims, why didn't you give all of your money to the victims? And then if she gave all of her money to the victims, why, you know, like, I think that I don't know 
what she could have done to please everybody because I think there are plenty of people out there who didn't want to be pleased. And, um, and, but I do think you're right. She could have acknowledged a lot more of that. But I also think that when she is saying, like when they're at the reunion, Andy's like, you know, how do you feel? And she's like, how do you think I feel? Like, I, I don't think that she can even grasp the enormity of what happened. And and I have a lot of sympathy for the idea that, you know, and it's like, obviously these burn victims and people that lost their parents and whatever went through worse. I'm not saying that this is, you know, they're mm -hmm. whatever, but I'm saying that it's like you wake up and one day you realize your whole life is a lie and you've been propagating this image of money and it's expensive to me and I don't give any fucks and that money was coming from a very dark place and how that must make you feel. I have a lot of sympathy for that, that um, I don't know other people necessarily do. And I hear you. I just feel like we're being asked to or, or people, some people feel sympathy for Erica that she's unwilling to even feel about the people who were most harmed the ways not only just like what's happening in court documents filed by her team which you guys can listen to legal based pods for that but um and maybe we'll get into that on a future app we have in past but the idea that like the most important question to me at that entire reunion at that nine part 913 part <laughs> of the Hills reunion and I could have gone for 800 more so don't even but the most important question to me was like Crystal saying, do you feel anger toward Tom? Why aren't we seeing that anger? I don't think that Erica believes that what happened happened. And when we talk about empathy, when we talk about the reality and her trying to understand, I don't, I, there is a difference to me between denying the reality in the sense of like how you're processing this and how your body might be refusing physically to take in some of this information because your defense mechanisms are on blast and you feel like you're attacked right. because you are being attacked and everything else versus do you actually believe that this happened? And regardless of a legal strategy, I don't actually believe that she believes that what happened happened. You see it in the ways that she responds to people and her selective and I'm maintaining her sense of autonomy here. I'm not taking that away from her. And I'm sort of proving it as the rule in this situation. She does not appear to show anger toward Tom. She, she, and I don't think she's hiding it. I, I don't think she feels it. I think she feels anger about the situation. But there is a lesson to be learned here from the ways that she is speaking about Tom. And I don't think it's connected to like his legal strategy is mine. I think that there is something here at the core that is darker. I agree with you. And I would liken this to how Vicky dealt with Brooks. And I think that like we're seeing Erica process this in real time. And her mm -hmm. relationship with Tom is way deeper than our relationship with anybody. And so it's like she's weighing all the nice parts of him, all the good parts of him, all the good she he did for her and her son and her and her family with all of these awful things that for 20 years of marriage, she had no idea about, I think. And, and so like we saw Vicky, like she broke up with Brooks, but she was still really defensive of him for like seasons. Mm -hmm. Remember? And there would be seasons, for years yeah, for where they years. were still fighting about Brooks. And then finally mm -hmm. one day she was like, 
oh, this guy was a fucking asshole and he ruined my life and all these other people's lives. And I mean, I think that Erica may still get to that point. And I mean, she might be at that point now and we just haven't seen it yet. But I think that seeing somebody try to go through all of this, both professionally, personally, legally, all these things at once, I mean, it's hard for us, like, it's hard for me to say, oh, if I were in that situation, I would do that. Because I think the situation is way bigger than anything I ever dealt with. And I hope that I never have to deal with anything like this. So, you know, I think it's, it. I find it difficult when people are like, oh, she should behave this way. She should be angry or she should have done that because it's like, how do we know? She doesn't even know. Like she's figuring it out day to day. And um, yeah, but I do agree with you that, you know, yes, she does seem incapable of grasping the enormity of it. But mm -hmm. I also think that over time, we may see that settle in a bit more. And, you know, and, and once she's out, uh, like she said, she's like fighting for her life. Like once she's done fighting, and I, and I mean, this legal shit can go on. God, I mean, Bethany's still trying to get fucking custody of her daughter. It's been like I 11 know, years. So, years. yeah, so... Yeah, I I mean I don't know. I and I and I think that we all need to stay tuned and and see what happens cuz there's a lot going on and I think that things that might seem cut and dried to us from watching on TV in real life might not be as cut and dried, but um, you know, what I am fascinated about is the comments on my Beverly Hills recaps would be like 900 comments like people back and forth what does she know what's going on blah 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 how does she feel whatever and the comments on the real housewives of salt lake city aren't really that much because i think there's so much nuance and so much gray with erica to talk about and discuss and figure out whereas most of us think genshaw did it so there's not a lot to talk about <laughs> Well, I'm glad you brought this up because there's actually something that I want to clarify from the last episode. And okay. guys, I just want to let you know, I give 150 percent. Wait. Yeah. 150 bajillion percent. When I'm in a conversation, I don't miss anything except I absolutely often do. <laughs> I'm, something and I'm like, listening I'm a little out to lunch. Or listening is hard. I am spiritual and literal ADD. <laughs> And sometimes someone says something and I'm like, yeah, totes. And I'm like, I, I it, this is the glory of us understanding our own perceptions and how sometimes I am like thinking that someone said something because I'm thinking something and it's like, no, they were actually saying the diametrical opposite <laughs> to what you thought. So I'm like, yeah, totally. Oh my God. Yeah. So there was a conversation in the last Andy's Girls about the difference in reaction to the Erica of it all versus the Jen and the wild reality of the fact that Erica is not being accused nor likely would she ever be of being the ringleader of about right. this erica never represented these people no. the conversation of did you knew is did you did you know is did you know about what your spouse was doing in his career i don't there are people who question everything obviously as well they should frankly but the reality is it's really a, a conversation did you know 
I would say add a couple more words to that. Like, when did you find out? You yeah. know, which already. And what very did you do when you found out? Exactly. Which is a conversation that should happen. But it's it's really more about like, did you know, when did you find out that your spouse was doing these terrible things? And there is a difference between that and like Jen, who the yes. federal government is like, babes, she's the OG of this. Like, yeah. she, like she she's fucking been like started running this, this shit. bullshit. Yeah. She's been started this shit. So there was a conversation during the last episode of like, why is the audience so much angrier at Erica and louder about this than Jen? And apparently during the conversation, which I totally, not that I was thinking about lunch, <laughs> but I might have been cooking it in my brain, a conversation about, um, you know, I think the reason that this is happening has something to do with race, with the idea interesting. that interesting with the idea that because Erica is white, she's being further critiqued. And I just want to clarify and say everyone has the right to their own opinion. And I actually do you guys a disservice and me a disservice by not having conversations that I might vehemently disagree with. I think it's important that people have very different perspectives, even if it's like diametrically opposed to how you feel. I have not done as good a job of that. And, and it hasn't been as much of a goal of mine. And it is now like, I, I really do not want to be in a place where I have created a little bit of a bubble because I, I don't want to exist in an echo chamber. And I might not have been as good as that at that before. And I want that to change. My New Year's resolution is to have more complicated conversations. And that doesn't need to be political. It's really opinion based and whatever else. All of that being said, my personal opinion is that race had absolutely nothing to do with the response that Erica has been given than Jen. I think it does an incredible disservice to housewives of color to assume in any way that a white housewife is being. <sighs> I think the, the problem that Erica faces, the reason that people are more vocally angry at her than Jen, the irony of that when you think about the actual situations and that through that lens, the lens of who's actually more responsible, Jen is at such a different level. It's like a right. total different environment is because we've known Erica for longer. She's much more famous, much more popular. And her brand on Housewives is not just my husband is an angel, which we saw on last season to conversations right. with Dorit. I just want to help people, whether it's $5 or 500 million, I'm just here. And, and the Aaron Brockovich of it all, it's because her brand has been, it's expensive to be me. And we didn't know the cost of that. And the ultimate irony of someone saying, how many fucks do I give? Zero, 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 none. Now, seeming <laughs> to, to give express all the fucks. <laughs> a, but seems to continue not expressing a ton of fucks. Yeah. To victims, to other people. It is an explosive, chaotic moment. 
And we don't know Jen in that way. We don't have, know, have as much invested in her. And the reality is, like, we kind of knew, not that Jen was doing anything inappropriate or illegal, but we kind of knew that something was a little off with Jen in her responses to things, that yeah. she seemed to be more performative and more chaotic. So for me, my personal opinion, and sorry to soapbox, but welcome to AG. Um, <laughs> let's do another monologue Girl, and call show. it a day. <laughs> do what you want. You know, people are, people are so pissed. They're like, can someone else do this show? Like, that has, like, the same. And it's like, guys, you're stuck with me. You're stuck. <laughs> That's welcome. what I say in my recap. Welcome. Girl, I'm not going anywhere. Sorry. Girl, I'm not going anywhere. And the thing is, like, people i get messages from people like you suck this is my hate listen and it's like well thank you so much for listening because right. that actually helps thank me, you for so driving I, me I appreciate the church, it bitch. <laughs> right let's keep this conversation going um but the reality is like to me just my personal opinion and i'm so glad that i heard from people because i was like "Ooh, that happened let me clarify is that i i I really think the, there is a solid reason why Erica is being dragged in the way that she is. And to me, it makes sense. And she might not think it's fair, but nor were the circumstances through which we understand how her, her oh, oh, I just, oh, let's forget. Oop. I just said that word. And how I, Tom's, <laughs> how the crime, I, and I, oh, the, the crimes that were committed were further benefited by the ways that she showed herself in her life on the show you know like it's different like i said i mean it looks like jen did it and so there's not much to talk about yeah. like the nuance you're right, right. it's you're like right. how long is jen going to jail for that's like the only conversation as opposed to when did erica know what did she know when did she file for divorce how much did she benefit where's the money who's it going you know there's so many more conversations to have around that and like you said we've known her longer she's had a brand that was diametrically opposed to the reality etc cetera, etc cetera. and so yeah i think that that's why the conversation is so um Vibrant. But I also like what you said about having more complicated conversations. And I think that, you know, I ran into this with Ebony K. Williams. Like she mm. wrote an open letter taking offense with how I was writing about race and things in my uh, recaps. And I could have just mm -hmm. tweeted something glib and bitchy or whatever. But I sort of took the time to take it on and write a really thoughtful response and say like here's how I agree with you here's how I disagree with you like this conversation we're having about Erica where we're disagreeing but we're still friends and whatever mm -hmm. and I would like to foster more of that in the world and on the internet rather than the you fucking suck kill yourself um you know all that things that people wait did anybody say that to you specifically no but like there were people coming on my like after Ebony's letter you know, right, which was called, I think, like Dear Brian was yeah, the title of it, they which I saw like, and I was like, is there another Brian? There were people in my Instagram comments being like, you're a racist. I'm glad Ebony dragged you. And I was like, I don't think Ebony ever called me a racist. And, I, you know, and uh, like, I will acknowledge that as a product of a racist society, there is racism in me. I'm, you know, but I also don't think that that was the message she was. She, I think she gave me a really thoughtful analysis and I gave her that in return. And I wish that people would try to take that on a bit more in 
and with these sort you know i feel like a lot of the attacks especially lobbed at the women on the show about you're ugly you're a fucking con you know just people like yelling and screaming at them is not at all productive and if you feel the need to go on social media and say these things to people i think that you should think about why you're doing that and what that says about you before posting those comments but if you want to have a thoughtful nuanced conversation about these complicated things especially when it comes to race and the housewives and all that shit which i mean there's girl there's plenty to unpack here for two white people like you and me but um <laughs> you know i i'm ready and willing to have those conversations but i i just want everybody else to join in with us if that makes sense well, yeah, and I think it connects to something. Um, I'm so glad that you said that. And I think it also connects to an idea that I myself have been struggling with as a content creator and person, which is something that I've genuinely been reconsidering about the ways that I had conversations in the past, which is separating the difference between accountability and responsibility from purity tests. And I think that yes. I have held people accountable, including myself, and held people responsible, including myself. And I also, at the same time, have participated in a purity litmus test that does myself a disservice and AGs a disservice, which is the idea that when someone fucks up, we are so interested, so many of us as a community, to recategorize that person who has done something that we disagree with or whatever and then end it. Like we right. end it there. And yet we're having these conversations about incredibly complicated women. Like, yes. how do you navigate the idea that many of these women are trash and yet we love them? But yes. when it comes to our own voices, we only accept and listen to people that we agree with at all times. And the shitty part of it, <laughs> the dark, shitty part of it is that as people we have the ability to fuck up and yeah. learn things, make mistakes and do better. And what does that say about you? And I'm like, talking to me, put a little mirror. What does that say about you if you are applying that litmus test to voices that you are sometimes often not applying to housewives? Like, yeah. maybe there needs to be a little bit of a recalibration. I thought it was in a good way to make things feel safe in in the in the most like spiritually authentic way but the reality is it's not actually that's not how the world works and and you want things to you want people to feel a certain way and that standard should still exist in some areas but yet in other like the tension is actually more nuanced and more important. If if we're willing to apply a purity test inside the Bravo community that is only according to our moral scale, that makes a lot of sense in some ways, but it also doesn't do anything at the end of the day. You're just shutting out voices. And then what are you doing? You're like creating, you're a product of your own void. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like it, yes. I just don't know how helpful that is spiritually. Like, for us as people, I, I don't know how helpful that is. And it's it's something I want to work on. The idea of having really complicated conversations and also embracing the fact that like if I expect and hope for empathy for people for myself when I fuck up, 
am I really doing a good enough job of applying that to others? You know, and it's tough. And that's where those moments, like your moment with Ebony, where she felt the need to respond to some things that she felt like were uh, not great in the use of language when talking about her and her role on the show. And without putting words in your mouth, I think that in some ways with with your response, you acknowledge that. You were like, you know what? If I could do this again, I, I appreciate that what you said. We can have a yes. difference of opinion on some of, you know, what happened actually on the show, but I I take right. ownership of the way of the impact of this and the ways that I would change those words given a second chance. Like and I, how I, I will think about it. this going forward. And right. it definitely like as I was writing future recaps, I was thinking more about those things. And I appreciate that. And and I often quote something of all places from Southern Charm when Leva was dealing with Catherine Dennis. Oh, okay. And, and oh, she boy. said, you're like, oh, you're, are you about if to you're defend quoting Catherine Austin. Dennis? She said that she doesn't believe in cancellation because there's no growth there. And, and I uh, mm. agree with her that. And it's like, I don't think you should be like, no, we're never talking to them again. Like, you know, I think that we should be able to have these conversations with people and get them to learn and see. And so I think that the short version of what Sarah and I are both trying to say is that you can listen to Giggly Squad again. It's okay, guys. <laughs> oh my God. We're giving I've you permission. To it. We're giving you permission. I've never listened to it. But never. It's like one of neither, the most popular pods. But maybe, I don't know that. Yeah. I, I, I think I that, they it's also some. like... Not nice Some things stuff. happening. I don't know the yeah, extent of it. I but. don't know. Yeah. And if that's also the idea of like so often the conversation is so tense because regardless of how you feel, I I, I get like the little hairs on my arm um, stand up a little bit when people talk about cancellation culture because so often the use of that term is a way to absolve someone of responsibility yeah. or accountability where it's like, um, you just want to cancel me because you're talking about this thing that I did that wasn't good and I don't want to talk about it. So what I'm going to talk about is the fact that like, you're trying you're canceling to, you know, me. Yeah. you're canceling me. And it's like, you know, there are people who are like, oh, I don't like this thing that happened to this person. So they suck. And you have the right to feel that way. And there's also the perspective of like, listen, can we have nuanced conversations? And sh and ideally, should the starting starting point be like this person is taking responsibility? Yeah, but that's also like not how this works. So it's you have to make choices about can you really have a conversation with this person? You know, like where's the meeting point? And does that yeah. include someone recognizing that their behavior in that moment wasn't great at X, Y, or Z? Like, yeah, that's the ideal. And you want to be able to have a conversation with someone who doesn't, who's not like a spiritual Kelly Dodd, where it's all a fucking shit show kind of joke. Like, right. She's or a it's circus. all nihilism or it's all just contrarianism right. or it's all. Yeah. Yeah, there ideally there's some sort of meeting point or meeting grounds, but if we can get beyond the those kinds of words which are really symbols, they're like political symbols. I know how someone unfortunately is probably going to feel about X or Y if they use certain phrases on every side to be honest. And if there is a way to get into the idea of like responsibility and ownership are helpful and important for some people and not all, and maybe we can like have those conversations without demonizing or erasing 
someone's humanity because at the end of the day, it's just not good for your own. Selfishly, if you lose empathy for someone, if you decide to have it, you know, and some people aren't deserving of it and some people aren't, but like that's your own choice and your own journey. But if you are able to maintain that and realize that like sometimes people fuck up and sometimes, and let's see if they do better, you know, like, I think that's, I think that's interesting and it doesn't apply in all cases and you get to decide people are triggered and upset by different things. And ideally the stakes aren't a person's like life, right. you know, which is also incredibly key, but, um, you know, it's, it's just kind of the adventure that we're on. I will say for Bravo, they seem to be making strides to correct some of their mistakes in the past. We saw some more people of color on Winter House. We've seen more people of color on Below Deck. Um, mm. You know, there's still a long way to go with in integrating all of the Real Housewives, but they seem to have really gotten the excuse me, got in the memo. And I, I mean, I really take my hat off to CBS who they said that 50% of all their survivor, survivor, Sorry. big brother, amazing race Spoiler are going to be people of color. Yeah. And you've seen the immediate impact on the shows, I think in many instances for the better. And um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is, is going to be true of housewives too, is not only, are we going to get more diverse, which I think is good for us spiritually, emotionally, culturally, et cetera. I think it's also going to make for better trashy reality television programs, which is really what we're here for at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen. But yeah. Yeah. And you can be a garbage person and not be racist or anti-Semitic or sexist or um, yeah. Just fascist or like whatever you are. <laughs> Um, and the idea, the reality is when we talk about the need for diversity on these shows, which is in front of and as much, if not more importantly, behind the camera, the yeah. I, reality is to not do what happened in New York, which is to add someone with no support to None. be the first black housewife on New York and put her in a position to have to be marginalized by her cast members and insulted and said incredibly triggering and disturbing comments and put it in such a situation where there's no counter. Like, and, that's and to have why, to educate these women, it's like and to be educate in that position, these women on right. how to treat like black people as opposed to, I mean, Beverly Hills has been such a good example where, you know, the, the, you had Garcelle talking about how she didn't feel included it, and you had Garcelle talking to Kyle about how, when you said this thing about not paying my, not paying for my auction mm -hmm. thing, um, it, you don't understand how that's going to be received differently. And Crystal talking to Sutton about, uh, right. you know, why you don't see race. Like, I think those were all really good, organic, interesting conversations, as opposed to here's Ebony trying to be like, here's why you shouldn't call black people angry. <laughs> like teaching Ramona Singer the basics, you know, is a really different position to be in. And, you know, I, I will say they really chose the right woman for that role, just because Ebony is so patient and so willing to have these conversations that she shouldn't need to be having with these women. And so I do commend her for that. 
I mean, I wouldn't want to take on the role of trying to teach Ramona Singer not to be a racist. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it just sucks that they put her in that position because it agreed. felt like, are yes. you getting hazard pay for this? Because the expectation of your yeah. level of almost responsibility is so much higher than Ramona's where you could almost think that like her level of hatred and racism is a part of her job. And that's why New York felt so dark where it's like, is she really acting out or is this why she's on the show? You know right. what I'm saying? Like yes. this feels a little bit, the editing of black Shabbat felt a little bit like she was fulfilling the terms of her contract. And it, that's what made it all the more gross. But I also bit. think it's interesting in that there are a lot of people in America who are Ramonas and who are really mm -hmm. threatened by status, the status quo that has benefited them mm -hmm. being upset and they're acting out in various and sundry ways. And so I, I do think that these shows are at their best when they're a view into humanity. And I think that we are really getting a view of what a lot of people in this country are feeling and why they're behaving mm -hmm. the way they're behaving through Ramona as bad as her behavior is. But is there a benefit to that? Who can mm -hmm. say? Who can say? Uh, and can I shift gears a little bit because yes. you were Can we make fun of some ABC women? Can we just call some women fat and like talk I about mean, their outfits? Brian, let's <laughs> I mean, not girl, we go there. No, I would never may I would never call a housewife fat. Well, I mean, I would pick on not... her tattoos. I would pick on her face work. I would pick on her haircut. You know what's so fun about that, the use of that language, is that you're saying then that fat is bad. That's true. And it's not. It's not. The worst insult, the fact that for so many people, and women specifically, because the ways that women's bodies are weaponized is to say and have a conversation, you know, example A, Mia on Potomac and what Candace did by saying big hands, big feet to other her body, which gets into other areas, is to say that your body is not good if it's big. And that sucks. Okay, that I will take that on. Sucks. I will take that on. I will take that on. But I, yeah. I used to write for a pornography site and we would do, <laughs> and we would do like reviews and it's things. It's called fucking.net. And we would talk about like, you know, you talk about performers and, you know, it, it was God. interesting to me in that you have to account for, I can't say like, oh, this guy's ugly or this guy's hot or whatever, you know, because everybody has their different tastes. But so my rule was kind of like anything that, they had control over I would pick on so like tattoos piercings haircuts anything like that but like body shape th their faces and you know like I was uh, that is beyond all of our control and we could say snide things about everybody's bodies or faces or whatever and so but like if you chose to get a bad facelift 
I'm going to have to say you got a bad facelift. Or if you have like stupid Chinese characters all down your spine, like Brian and Wyndham Burke, I'm going to be like, those are some dumb tattoos. <laughs> well, and it's also the idea of a person's weight, which is what we're talking about. Yeah. when We're talking about someone's body is something that they may or may not be in control of, which you would never know truly, True. but also the ways that that is used to control someone, which is to say that the valuation of you, the way that I am going to exert control over you is the size of you. So if you are a different size that is seen as not as valuable or or successful, which in many areas of yes. our specific American society is to say that larger is not as good as smaller is incredibly dangerous and incredibly plentiful. It is a part of our world in ways that we don't even acknowledge because it's so embedded. So for some of us watching Candace and Mia is uh, especially triggering because the lens through which Candace is seeing could be things that are embedded in her DNA through her relationship with her mother, mother and can also be through her past and beauty pageants. Candace did not create the like right. sizest environment where slinging these kinds of arrows she did not create it but she is a participant in it and it's and she's the benefiting lens. from it and she's a hundred percent benefiting from yeah. it and it's i i'm actually really glad you said that because i think this is like a little bit of a, a moment and a conversation because there are ways that we acknowledge this structure without realizing that we're participating in it doesn't mean it was created but the actual idea the acknowledgement of it i think is really helpful it could be helpful to people to hear you know it could and it doesn't mean oh this person yada yada and maybe you feel triggered in it a little way a, a little bit and you people have the right to to do to feel that way right but maybe this is an example of like we should still have these kinds of conversations you know I have never been more frustrated than I was listening to Candace talk about the reason why people are mad at her is because she's better Oof. at being mean to people <laughs> than the other women. I was like, you just do not grasp any of this at all. And Nor will she ever. And for no. some people, that's the starting point. For some people, it's the well, but there are other things to focus on. And for others, it's like this, I can't get past this point. You know, I'm like, yeah. in, I'm in that camp where it's just, it's really tough. And I actually thought the ways that Candace responded on part four of the reunion were incredibly interesting. The way that, and she said this in the press since, I don't know in what capacity, um, because I will maintain blocking her on Instagram, but um, the way that <laughs> she uh, expressed empathy for Ashley in that moment, the way that she just instinctively defended her. And she said after it's because she saw a person facing pressure, under pressure, and she wanted to help them in that moment, I thought was like a great show of friendship, of womanhood yes. in saying like, she's a new parent. Like, what do you want her to do? Not have her job? Like, why should she be punished for just giving birth? Yeah, acknowledging that this is work. And it's like, mm -hmm. I had to go to work and we're independent contractors and we don't get paid family leave. <laughs> mm -hmm. And yeah. yeah, no, I and I was like, ooh, girl, like you all agree you agree with you disagree with Nikki so hard that you're defending Ashley like that's dire straits. What did you think of Nikki as a guest 
Um, I loved. I thought it was the. I thought it was one of the best parts to a reunion in history, and I fucking loved Beverly Hills. I thought she was. Interesting. I thought she was incredible. She was so funny. Um, she's an example of someone who's incredibly complicated, and uh, just with choices and things she said in her. Uh, personal and other aspects of her professional life and I wasn't expecting to immediately fall in love as hard as I did with the job that she did specific on Potomac and sort of the only way I can kind of think about that is through the lens of her job as moderator I thought she did a, a bang up job I was thoroughly entertained the way that she came for Ashley I thought was incredibly unexpected and just like continuing to hold her accountable. Some of her questions, I was like, oh my God, like, I can't believe you're asking that, but I'm super curious about the response. Um, what did you think? I, uh, since we're not going <laughs> to agree about anything today. Um, Let's no, do it. I, what I liked is that, um, and, and this, I feel this way on Girls Trip too, when the women mm. are talking to each other and asking each other's questions about their shows is, I appreciate that Nikki was like a fan stand-in and she was there yes. asking questions that she wanted the answers to, that we want the answers to, that Andy can't necessarily ask. I loved how she was like teasing Karen about her sex life and having these, yes. like saying these kinds of things that Andy could never get into for various and sundry reasons, nor do we want him to. Um, but I do think that she went really hard on Ashley and that was kind of about it. And she was like, Oh, I'm going to ask you all these questions. I'm going to be so hard. And then she wasn't really that hard on anybody, except she was shady about Candace's music, which I loathe Candace, but I think that was a little unfair. And she was like, can you sing acapella? It's like, we've all heard Candace sing. We know Candace can sing. Like, it's not like you asking the countess to sing acapella. Cause we know the countess can't sing. <laughs> So, I mean, but she's also like one of the most popular recording artists out there. So like, don't you think she was giving Candace a huge opportunity, even if it was like a little smidge of like, OK, you say that you're great. Let's hear it. I mean, that was a huge that did Candace so much good, even though she initially was like, oh, I don't want to sing my own music because I think this other song would be better for my voice. And it's like, but you're not you're not selling that other song. You're selling this album. Right. You have Nicki Minaj. If you're saying that your number one talent is singing, the quality of your singing, and Nicki Minaj is like, okay, sing, you should be able to, I mean, you know, I, I, I feel job. like she was coming from a little bit of a shady place with that. Oh, request. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but also, it, it it's a benefit of Candace, who knows herself some shade, to deliver yeah, on it. And I think Candace should have just been like, I'm going to, you want me to sing Drive Back? I'll sing Drive Back. Because, yeah. I mean, Candace, for all that you can say about Candace, girl can sing. So, and I'm glad that she got to benefit that. But yeah, I thought that her being like, oh, how many have you sold? Mm, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. It's like, of course, Nicki Minaj has sold more records than you. She's fucking Nicki Minaj and you're Candace. Like, <laughs> well, but also like, I still don't understand how the number of albums that Candace said she sold in the first week, I couldn't tell by Nicki's response if she thought that was a good thing, noting that this is someone who is unsigned, first album, right. sort of niche. Like, um, I couldn't tell if Nikki was thinking either that number is right or wrong, or is that really how much you sold, or that is how much you sold, and I don't know how I feel about that number. I was kind of, I needed a little bit of a part B to that. I needed to hear a more 
what Nikki really th- I needed her to kind of communicate more rather than just have me think about it because I was genuinely confused and wanted to understand. I think that's fair but I think that the way I received it yeah I was a little unclear too but then how I read it was her being like oh that's not that many um but I might be wrong um but I think that so I mean I appreciated that Nikki was there I think it did show us how good how we've taken andy's skill and talent at this very particular role for granted for a very long time because i think that you see how well he handles it and how well he tries not to take sides etc etc when you see somebody doing it the same role very differently from a you know like this is the renaissance period of housewives how do you process a celebrity super fan who's a genuine star hosting a reunion do you think this is situation specific because she was so publicly um supportive of potomac and they felt like this is just such a great idea and opportunity do you think that is where it will remain or is this truly a a, a reconception of how the housewives mean by looping in symbols of the greater pop culture. Um, I am curious about that myself because I think that what I'm afraid of is you'll get lots of, I mean, if you're going to do it, Nicki Minaj doing it is where you want to be. I'm afraid you're going to get all Mm -hmm. sorts of B-listers like, Andy, let me host a reunion. Andy, let me host a reunion. And then it's going to be like, and then they... So if they do this at every reunion, but then the best you can get is like, uh, 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 God, I can't think of her name. Metal Soprano, Jamie Lynn Sigler. Jamie Lynn Descala. Oh, Sigler. Oh my yeah. God. I remembered her married name when she was married for six months. Oh my God. Jamie Lynn Sigler. Jamie Lynn Sigler. Um, oh no, wait. Sigler? Yeah, Sigler, Sigler. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, then it's like, this is dumb, but. I Mm -hmm. think for a one-off, okay. Or if you're just like, okay, every year Nicki Minaj comes back and does Potomac, Mm -hmm. like, great. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I'm curious. But that was also my other thing is, why Nicki? Why now? You know, did Mm -hmm. it just kind of work out? Is it a fluke? I I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. But uh, the, the reunions are can be so good and can be such a great formula that I don't know that we need to monkey around with them a lot. Mm. Yeah, I really, I would love for Nikki to come back, to be honest. I would love, I don't think it was needed. We needed a four-parter. I think it could have been like one and a half parts Andy, one and a half parts Nikki, to be honest, or two parts Andy, one part Nikki. But like next season, if she wants to come back, I think we do a three-parter. He does two, she does one. I am all for getting the reunions down to two parts. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that four, though. It feels like they're kind of going to try to squeeze out content for whatever reasons, and I don't want that to happen. I really don't want us to be inching toward four as the new standard. No, agree. Same. And I think I, I'm hoping that these were two extreme circumstances, one because you had Nikki, one because you had the Erica of it all. But I also feel like the Beverly Hills reunion should have been a one or two part reunion and a 60 minute sit down with Erica and Andy. Huh? Because that's what people, and, and I feel like that's what the, the reunion, it was like, okay, we'll talk about everybody for a bit. Okay. Erica. And then oh, we'll talk about everybody. Okay. Erica. Like it felt like that's what people really wanted and, and, and what they were getting. 
So why not just do that? But with the idea of what is uh, alleged to be an ensemble show, wasn't the interesting point to hear when these women would stand up for themselves or each other and when they weren't? And I don't know that you get that if it's just, I think that lets Erica off a little bit. No, I agree. And I think that you definitely need to address that stuff and like how she treated Mm -hmm. Sutton, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that, what people wanted from the reunion was a lot of the nuts and bolts stuff about like, Mm. tell us about the car crash, tell us about, you know, whatever that I think might've been better served if he wasn't pretending like he just wanted to ask Erica all these questions. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, it does. But obviously because she was dealing with it on the show, she does have to address how it came out with the women and like those interactions, like you said, with Crystal, I think were really good and valuable. Um, same, mostly cause I already said that I agree. Um, <laughs> switching gears just before we wrap, you were on the ABC news. I was documentary piece special, um, about Jen Shaw, the shot and fraud, the Jen Shaw fraud, Shaw fraud, Shaw. <laughs> and you know, her trial has just been set for March 22nd. I found your participation, of course, to be fabulous. Thank and you. And the special itself to be illuminating just in the sense that, and this is the smallest possible point, but I found it fascinating that her aunt would participate. Same. Let alone a childhood friend, but her aunt would participate. What do you think about the ways that Jen and production will navigate her trial and just the continuation of this story on Potomac and what's your hope? I would, I'm very curious because I think that the only precedent we have for this is Teresa. And when they were dealing with Teresa, they were always talking around the legal stuff and we never saw her in court. We never saw all of that happening. I mean, I guess we also have Luann and how that went down. And we saw the footage that the police made available. And we saw her in court a little bit. That's kind of public record. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm curious as to like, and also some courts allow you in and some don't. I would like to see it all. I mean, obviously I think that'd be fascinating to see somebody who's like, going through this uh trying to defend herself in court and how she feels about that and so on and so forth i think that'd be fascinating i also feel like it's probably in jen's best interest not to be on the show but i mean if the ship's going down she's facing extreme time in federal prison well and i'm sure she will get one big fat check um going into it for doing that but then also i think that we have the question and i don't know that it's a question i have the answer to is what responsibility does bravo have by profiting slash benefiting from jen committing crimes and what responsibility do we have as audience members who want to you know watch the drama of this unfold knowing that there are real victims, etc. Um so I being a 
reality television fiend, I'm like, girl, sure, I want to see this so bad. I want to see this so bad. But I also know that it's probably not great to be making a star uh, out of a woman who allegedly did these things to vulnerable people. That's such an interesting, nuanced, important perspective, because I think it's like when we talk about the fact that this is a renaissance period, I think everyone would agree that it is. And it feels so invigorating to be a Bravo fan. There's so much excellent TV and content. The stories that we're talking about are incredibly complicated, incredibly nuanced, some of them extremely disturbing and difficult. But it's also like we're also Bravoholics at the end of the day. We want right. to, at its core, enjoy this stuff. The fact that ABC News, we all know it's valuable when we see news organizations talking about why it's valuable, it reinstores and reinvigorates for many of us the idea that it always was we didn't need a crime in which this yes. happened to have a cultural conversation but how do you process the idea that this is the renaissance period maybe because because of these crime because of the Erica yeah. and Tom of it all because that's now a part of our world because of the Jen shot like what does that mean I'm hoping that we don't need these crimes going forward like that's the thing yeah. about that's yeah. the thing about housewives is it's always mm -hmm. building and it's like mm -hmm. you know when just when you get a scary island then you need a boat ride from hell and like mm. you know it's like you uh, it's always ratcheting itself up and it's like we're now at the point it's like it started with ramona walking out of her reunion because alex took nude alex photos McCord. and yeah, now we're at the like her husband's hotel yeah they're naked and yeah. now we're at ramona naked in the shower and also girls trip and like pooping on the floor so <laughs> like how like do we i do we need it to ratchet up i hope that we're not going to need crimes to keep ratcheting mm -hmm. it up. Um, but mm -hmm. also I think that with uh, Beverly Hills, we had Kathy Hilton, we had uh, mm -hmm. Sutton and Crystal, we had Garcelle mm -hmm. and Kyle, we had Garcelle and Lisa Rinna. I think that even without Erica, it would have been a very strong season. And I think same with uh, Salt Lake City, we have Crazy Mary and her maybe or maybe not Colt. We have, you know, her and Whitney. We have Lisa Barlow being the puppet master. And, mm. you know, so I think that it's still, I, I hope that it, it still would have been as good of a season without that extra added layer of it. Um, I totally hear you and agree. And I have to say, um, I want to end on one little note before we ask you about your work as a podcast host, which I want to hear about. Um, I I uh, guested on Christian Grey Snow's pod, um, uh, the Slut Pig podcast, which is such a name. Um, wait, Slut Pig? Did I say that? Yeah. I always confuse Slut Pig and Pig Slut. Slut Pig podcast, and we were talking about the highs and lows of the OC premiere. And so I just want to ask you what your rose and thorn were from uh, OC, because I just need to hear. My rose hear. was well. There's like two parts. The glib answer is hot Ryan with no shirt on. Um, but my real favorite part was Gina talking about how she wanted a ladder in her closet so she could be like Belle. I just thought that was fucking amazing. <laughs> I love her. Yeah, I love that. What is my thorn? Um, 
I don't know that I had anything where I was like, oh, that's that's real awful. Um, yeah, I feel like Heather Dubrow, like, as much as I'm glad Fancy Pants is back, it's a little much. Mm. Oh, th this was my thorn. This was my thorn. So they sit down to dinner, Heather and Terry and everybody with the kids, and mm -hmm. the chef, they have the chef there cooking them dinner. And then mm -hmm. the chef brings pizza. <laughs> I hire you to be my personal chef and you're going to bring me fucking pizza. I could have called down the street and gotten a pizza delivered. I save pizza for the day when you're not here, when I don't have to cook. You better be fucking making me up some risottos, some demi glazes, some fucking <laughs> brick chicken. I don't know what the fuck. Something I can't I do. That's why I hired you, asshole. I can heat up a pizza. Fuck you, Nick. And I would fuck um... Nick. But also... <laughs> Wait, can I just say, though, doesn't that show you that might have aside from her 900 room mansion and her bajillions of dollars that shows you how much money they actually have because they have a personal chef for the meals that feature pizza. She doesn't need the fancy stuff because we already know that she's fancy pants. She has a personal chef and she's like, hey, Chef Nick, why don't you whip up some pizza? Because we don't need to order out. That's what we have you here for. You are our seamless. Like you're using an internal spiritual coupon right now. Your promo code is pizza. <laughs> so fucking make us some food. I like, mean, what? Fair point. Fair point. I mean, what? that is luxury. I guess when you have a personal chef luxury. to make you pizza, you don't even have to order down the street and have Domino's. I up. mean, there's diamonds and rosé and then there's just carbs for days. And I am obsessed. Um, I have to say my rose and thorn rose is Gina in all of her many ways and all of her many forms. I heard Gina. last season was a shit show, but the saving grace was how great Gina was. And I was like, Gina, OK, all right. That feels like something and to see how funny she is and witty she is and vulnerable she is and brave she is the conversation that she had about like I want my kids to understand that uh, I am standing up for myself and saying yes. that domestic violence is unacceptable and my and their father is saying I'm taking responsibility I'm holding myself responsible like that is incredibly powerful and nuanced and takes such fucking emotional chutzpah and bravery to even think that let alone express it on reality television for however many people uh I and also she's just like the bell moment I was like yes like you should be flipping out over heated towel like what like how do you even think of that? I have one other rose it's a Gina related rose Tell and me. it's when we found out the only reason Shane Simpson passed the bar is because they lowered the requirements <laughs> <laughs> and then Gina is like the only reason he cleared the bar is because they lowered the bar and her just like giggling about it and her being like Emily like saying to Emily can I make fun of him about this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I mean, that was an icon. I, Gina, for honestly, season MVP. I know we're all, many of us are happy about Dubrow being back, but I think Gina is honestly going to be the MVP. And I love that for her. I want her to make money and she is yes. goddamn earning it. And God bless. And my thorn is the fact that um, I'm so happy to see Shan. Nothing makes my heart. I stand for Shan. Nothing makes my heart go pitter patter. It grew the size of nine lemons in a bowl. Then to see Shannon giggle at her own humor and kind of like dance in her head and have merriment. And the thorn of that is I acknowledge, you know, the complicated journey that Shan has being Shan. And I think it's going to be a tough season for her and I feel such empathy for her and I'm also not blind so I think it's just going to be a thorn for myself because I think Shan's going to have a difficult one and I'm going to be on that road with her and Shannon's worst enemy is herself yes you know I want to be an ally to Shan I want to be a friend to Shan but you you gotta be a friend to yourself first, and I just don't know how this is gonna go. I people I had a conversation with Christian. He's like, we have to respect our villains, and I was like, Shannon's not a villain, Christian. She's my friend. Shannon. I don't know. Shannon's no. the villain. No. But, <laughs> Megan, no. but I mean, no. I love that Shannon is such a complicated creature and that we get to see her face going on that tour like and just the like bringing low of shannon especially in heather dubrow's house of all people yeah i mean i think it's gonna be good i yeah i i don't like shannon but i respect her and she's good at her job and you love her right you love her yeah, I will concede loving Shannon. Yes. Shannon, if you're listening, which I, I know you're not, I um I just I'm gonna hold your hand through this journey of this season and we're gonna say some things and we're gonna think some things and I just I love you so I love you maybe more than you love yourself and that's the darkest were the they darkest turn. Were they filming when Archie disappeared? Oh no, and thank God for that. Thank God for I that. I wanted to see that so bad. I wanted to make a hashtag free. Ar- I wanted to make a hashtag free Archie t-shirt. <laughs> Here's the problem with Archie missing, which was so upsetting. I was like, it was too much because my former fish son, Archie Bador, passed away this month last year. And I watched that happen. I was like, with Shannon, I was like, oh my God, it's happening again. We're losing the other Archie. And it was painful. And P- new love, my new fish son, PK doing great even though he had a little he was a little not thrilled this morning but i talked him down i was screaming at him uh, but with love um housewife style parenting um, <laughs> uh, but you know i i'm so glad that archie is okay he is Same. you know look at the way that archie loves shannon and can't some of us love shannon like that as well she just needs shannon needs her own archie aside from archie shannon needs to learn from archie and maybe love herself a little bit more um i can agree with that i do love shannon i (laughs) i can't believe you're saying that i don't think you believe it no the more i thought about it i'm just thinking about like when she was on that peloton and hated it when she had that trainer who was like oof no and like doctor whatever yeah just like everything we've been through with shannon and she's so fucking daffy and she's so like her own person unapologetically and 
I do really love that. And I love watching her as much as she drives me bananas. She's a human dad joke. Like, come on. How many ducks cross the road? Boop. I'm going to touch your nose. Like, it doesn't it doesn't make <laughs> sense. But that's why we love it. Listen, Brian James Moylan, president and founder of the Real Housewives Institute. I have to say, you're not just the president of the Institute. You're also a podcaster yourself. Can you tell me a little bit about your pod for the dip? Take a dip with us. Let us know what you've been working on. It is called the 12 Gays of Christmas. And I interview gays. <laughs> about their favorite Christmas movies. So um, right now there's an episode where I talk to Adam Rippon about Elf. Wow. And there's an episode where I talk to Dan Savage about, uh, oh God, It's a Wonderful Life. Um, And then I'm doing one with Danny Pellegrino coming up about the Grinch. Um, So that's very fun. So yeah, lots of fun people. And then I'm doing a special edition, which I think I'm filming in about a week or so with the Watch What Crappens boys about (gasps) um, how Real Housewives of the North Pole. So we're going to get into all that. Oh my God, I can't wait to listen to that. That's going to be iconic. So um, check it out. So it's the 12 Gays of Christmas. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. We, We did one episode a week in... November and there's going to be two a week in December up until Christmas and then we're done for the year so 12 episodes <laughs> and, then we're not, and then Christmas is canceled that's that's yeah canceled exactly and after, then, t- after 12 25 see you later and then Bethany's gonna scream or Jordan's gonna scream about how no one thanked her for a nutcracker and <laughs> the podcast is over Love that. Um, tell the people what you're recapping right now, things to look forward to, where to read more of your writing, and how to follow you online. Um, you can buy my book at thehousewivesbook.com. I mm. am doing uh, Vanderpump Rules, OC, and Real Housewives of Miami on Vulture. And those oh. are up right after the episodes wow. air. And wow, wow, I wow, also wow. do a bi-weekly an LGBTQ weekly newsletter uh, called the Housewives Mm. Institute Bulletin. That's every two weeks. It comes out on Fridays. And that's like news and recap highlights and fun features that I write and stupid gifts and things. And you can sign up for that at vulture.com slash housewives. And Mm. you can find me everywhere. Social media exists at Brian J. Moylan, except TikTok because I'm too old. They won't let me on. Um, do you know, I technically have one, but I've never really been on it. I just have it so that when someone sends me a video, I can watch it. So I think that's like the only way I don't, I was going to do one. And then I was like, I just really can't. I tried. And then I was like, I was watching a YouTube of this like person trying to explain what TikTok is. And I got bored. ADD kicked in. I was like, I can't do it. I'm so tired. I will highly recommend. And you can go there on your web browser, Kelly Kalor and Ben Simone's TikTok. It is. I have seen those on Instagram when people repost them and they are a wild journey. Guys, speaking of journeys take a ride on the andy's girls patreon the best way to support the pod patreon.com slash andy's girls new one hour satchel spectacular talking through i think i did like 10 satchels your satchels of gold thoughts and feels questions and concerns named in honor of her holiness kelly Kalorn ben simone so look for that special episode on the patreon that went up you got also to you know 
access to special events. You could even record a Patreon episode with me on the premium tier. Uh, the best way to celebrate the holidays is by giving me your cash. Um, <laughs> Santa slid into my DMs and was like, this is the way to do it. Um, and, you know, while you're online, follow me on Instagram at Dame Galley. DM me your thoughts and feels, satchels about this episode, the TV that we're watching, and what is to come. Brian James Moylan, president and founder of the Real Housewives Institute, of which I am like the gift shop fucking docent or whatever <laughs> it's called. Special um, events coordinator. I'm the retired special events coordinator. Um, I'm the COVID taskmaster and more. Um, <laughs> so you know I die for you. I loved this episode. I thought it was... Ooh, girl, we went deep. We went so deep, but there is no one that I would rather go deeper with than you. And on that note, guys, I hope you're all staying safe. Staying sane. Getting vaccinated. Boosted if you can. And we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.